Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by finding us and listening in. We pray this sermon stirs up your love for Jesus and grows you in your faith. But before we begin, we ask that you not let this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, replace the local church in your life. You need to be a member of a local congregation and under the shepherding of that flock's pastor. So please become part of a local church if you aren't currently. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.mountzionchula.org. Enjoy our podcast. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are at the beginning of a new year, and I love New Year's time. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Um, It's just a time when when anything's possible. You've got a new start up to the year, and and you've got all kinds of plans for what you're going to do in the year. Now, a lot of times we don't carry those things out, but at least in the time that we're in, we have optimism. Um, Some people like to think things like New Year's resolutions are dumb. Um, I've poked fun at them in the past because of how easy people break them. Um, I was actually exercising at the gym on Friday, um, my first time back since like October. I've exercised since I was 12 years old, but the last couple months I just got too busy. Um, So I was in the gym in January, and I thought to myself, great, I've become one of those people I used to make fun of who's back in the gym at the start of January. Um, But I set goals every year to go with me into the new year to try to aim for. I have four for 2022, each in a different area of my life. Every year in January, I try to take at least one Sunday for us as a church to be reminded who we are, um, to get the year started off focused. What, what are we? Who are we as a church? What are we to do so that it shapes and forms our year? Um, and so this month, we're doing this church study called Rediscover Church. If you haven't picked up the book yet, there's a book in the back. There's a suggested $3 donation if you want to give one for that. If not, you, you, you're free to just grab a copy, one per household. We're reading this book. Each sermon that I'm going to preach in the month of January goes along with one of the chapters of that book. It's not going to be repeat, um, so you're going to get something different from the sermon and the book, but it's going to be around the same idea. Um, commit to be here. Sunday morning, Sunday evening for these four weeks. I want us to really think about what we are as a church. Um, This book, Rediscover Church, was written um, specifically for the moment that we're in. The book can still be read 10 years from now, of course, but a lot of of what it talks about is culturally relevant for where we're at right now. I'm kind of on the tail, or kind of two years into the the COVID pandemic. Um, I know it's kind of still a thing, but as far as locking everything down and all that goes, that's mostly over, at least in our part of the country. Um, But COVID psychologically affected people in ways that they might not even realize, and that includes how you think about church. It changed how we view preaching, because I can now sit at home and consume multiple sermons on Facebook Live and feel really spiritual because I've heard all that preaching that morning. I can get up at 9 and watch this preacher, and then when, he, when he's over at 10, I can watch this one, and when he's over at 11, I can watch this one. Um, and, and I'm all for listening to preachers throughout the week, but um, we, we can replace that with, um, 
we can use that to replace sitting under the preaching of the pastor God has placed over our lives, and it's called the care for our souls. And we can hear sermons alone rather than among a group of people. It's kind of the difference of um, listening to Don't Stop Believing by Journey in your car while you're driving down the road versus being at a Journey concert and listening to it. There's a difference in hearing a sermon, watching it on a TV screen on, on, in your living room versus being here among a group of people. There's a difference to it. It changed church attendance because now you can stay home and watch church on Facebook and still feel like you went to church rather than belonging to a church body and being present with it. Many people who had pretty sparse church attendance prior to COVID have completely fallen off the map sometimes. Statistically, they were predicting that about 20% of churchgoers in America would no longer attend church after COVID. We as a church have beat that number, but we've lost a few people. This is not over COVID anymore because those people no longer attend church anywhere, but they go everywhere else. They're talking a lot about digital church or online campuses. You'll hear that a lot if you read LifeWay stuff. Um, there's actually work among LifeWay and other church leadership organizations to help churches establish and care for their digital congregations, their digital congregations. Churches have hired pastors on staff to specifically focus on the digital congregation. Now, we Facebook Live our services. Um, we, we do that for shut-ins and for outreach, um, for those who physically cannot be here and for those who maybe don't go to church, but they click on a service and they hear the gospel and get saved. We do it for those reasons. But understand, you can't belong to a church online. There's no such thing as a digital congregation. And our society is even more fractured than it was before COVID. In the last two years, people have fought, especially on the internet, over shelter in place, social distancing, mask. Quarantine lengths, elections, racial violence, vaccines, vaccine mandates, uh, riots, and so much more. And after two years of you spending more time on social media and in front of the TV than you did before, you have slowly been discipled to become contentious about everything and everyone you disagree with. And that can spill over into church because you're going to disagree with people at church. You're going to butt heads with people at church. You're not going to agree with every person in church on every issue related to COVID, politics, racial justice, or anything else. When that moment comes, you have to make a decision to either ostracize them or to still love them, despite the disagreement. So this month, we're going to take eight sermons that coincide with the topics in that book, and we're going to talk about what the church is and what the church does to help remind you what the church is in case the last two years have caused you to forget. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read verses 12 through 26. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow, we bestow the greater honor, and our, unpres- our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our, most, more, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We'll spend the remaining seven sermons, evenings and mornings, talking about the things the church does. Today, let's just simply ask the question, what is a church? What is a church? When we ask that question, we're not talking about the universal church, that is, all Christians throughout the world. No, we're talking about a local church, a local body of believers, a specific church in a specific location. It is part of the universal church, but it's a local gathering. Mount Zion is a local church. Uh, First Baptist Chula is a local church. Brookfield Baptist is a local church. You get the idea. It's a, it's a members of the universal church gathered together in a specific location. So what is a local church? Well, a local church, as t- verse 12 says, is a body. It's a physical body. This confronts multiple false ideas of our day. I'm part of the universal church. I don't have to go to church. The universal church is not a physical body, though. You cannot carry out so many of the commands of the New Testament if you don't belong to a local church. Because how do you do it with a Christian who lives uh, 100 miles away from you? You can't. Or, I don't like organized religion. Well, God organized the church into local congregations that have pastors and deacons and that practice the ordinances. It was his idea. So take it up with him. He organized religion. A local church is a physical body, but it's not just any gathering of Christians. Um, Going to the BCM in college, something that that often came up was that students thought they didn't need to go to church because they were a part of the BCM. But the BCM is not a church. Uh, A Bible study in your neighborhood or at your office is not a church. Biblically, a church has pastors and deacons, It practices the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Generally, it has all different generations in it. There's the older, the younger in it, and they learn from each other. It is the body of Christ. That's how it's made up. This passage is going to get more into, as we work through it, its specific body imagery. It speaks of the members of the body. So a local church is a physical body, and it's made up of members. It's got members in it. We're going to talk about church membership a little more detail in a couple weeks, but um, just as a body is made up of arms and legs and eyes and ears and, and all of that, so a church is made up of members. Now, what is a church member? What is a church member? Let it be said first, getting saved and joining the church are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. I've often asked people their testimony of how they were saved, and their story is no more and no less I joined the church. Well, that's not what getting saved is. 
Typically, when someone gets saved and baptized, they also join the church they're saved and baptized in, but it's not necessarily required. For example, if I had a family member from Kentucky that got saved and wanted me to baptize them, I would absolutely baptize them, but they wouldn't become a member here because they don't live here. They can't be a part of this church, so they wouldn't join here. To belong to a local church, you have to have two things. First, you have to be born again. That is, you're baptized into one body. That's what um, verse um, 13 says. We're all baptized into one body. Baptism does not save you, but because we want people to understand that, typically we downplay how important baptism is. Often in the New Testament, when they describe salvation, it's described as being baptized into Christ. You cannot belong to any church if you aren't saved. You're not part of the universal church if you're not saved, and you can't belong to a local church if you're not saved. You may attend a church, you may attend a local church, but if you're not saved, you don't belong to that church. My son's a prime example of this. He is loved by this church. He's very much at this church, but he cannot belong to this church until a day comes that he surrenders his life to Jesus and is born again. Adrian and I pray that over him all the time. He, he cannot be baptized into the body until he's a part of Christ. You have to be born again, and you have to join as a member. You have to join the church. One body, many members. Some today like to say the idea of church membership is not in the Bible, but it was invented by man. And certainly some of the ways it's done was invented by man. The Bible never says you have to walk down front and be presented at the end of a worship service. That's just how the church has traditionally done it for 100 years. But very much the idea of being a member of a body is in the Bible. Look no further than this passage. We'll talk about that more in a couple weeks. But this means you've got to join the church to belong to the church. If you're a member of another church and not a member here, you're under that pastor and you belong to that church. Remember the body analogy. Caleb's arm is not part of my body. It's part of his body. It's a member of his body, right? So if you're here and you're not a member, let me just ask you, what's stopping you from moving your membership? If you are here regularly and you're a member of another church, how can you belong to that church you're still a member of? We have about 40 people on our church membership that I know are at another church. I've never met them. But every, every week I pray, Lord, get these people to transfer their membership. It drives me nuts because biblically I'm responsible for their soul. That, that's, that's how I view pastoral ministry. I'm responsible for the souls entrusted to me. That's what Hebrews 13 says. How about you join our church if you're not a member? How do I take in new members? Well, the same way most churches do. However, I do ask, before you join, meet with me. Meet with me. I want to hear your testimony, confirm that you're saved. I want to hear that you understand the gospel, and I want to get to know you a little bit. And I want to lay out, hey, this is what biblically is expected of a church member, and these are what I commit to you as your pastor. This is what I commit to, to do. After that, come forward, and we'll present you, and you'll be a member. So a local church is a physical body of born-again members, and their job is to serve and care for one another. It's many members all of them different, all of them needed. The body, the church, consists not of one member, but of many. This church, this, is, this church is not about you, and this church is not about me. It's about us. It's about us. Sometimes people will speak of the musical portion of church as, I just close my eyes, and I just imagine I'm the only person in the room singing to Jesus. 
The problem is, that's not how worship is described in the Bible. No, Colossians says that you're to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. There's a vertical aspect to your singing at church. There's also a horizontal aspect to your singing at church. That when you hear my voice singing, and you know I didn't sleep well because of my sleep apnea, you can say, he's giving it everything he's got to worship Jesus. I'm going to do the same. Or when I hear you singing, and I know that you've dealt with, with a terrible heartache that week, I can, I can hear that, and I can say, um, that, that I, I, I can be motivated to continue running the race despite any trouble I might face. A couple months ago, I saw a quote from a famous preacher, um, one that I actually really like, um, but it was a quote I disagreed with. The quote said this, when I stand to preach, whatever the setting, I don't focus on the congregation. I just preach to an audience of one. I think I know what he was saying by that. The only person I have to please with my preaching is God. Um, I'm not in the business of pleasing people with my preaching. Um, I'm going to say things that might upset you, but if it pleases God, I'm going to say it. Um, But as a pastor, I'm a shepherd of a flock. It's my job to prepare my sermons thinking about you. And how is this going to apply to you? How is this sermon going to help and challenge the individual people in our church? How are our sick members going to hear this sermon in light of their battle with cancer? How is this sermon going to help our choir members and musicians um, know their job is leading us in musical worship? How is this sermon going to give hope to those who are struggling with chronic pain? How does this sermon speak to some of the lies that our youth might be hearing from their friends in high school or on TikTok? I'm thinking through these things when I prepare my sermons because I love you, because I love you. I'm not preaching some cookie-cutter sermon that that could be taken and preached exactly the same somewhere else. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to you. This is why you need your pastor's preaching more than you need sermons from any of your favorite preachers. Absolutely listen to all those preachers. I listen to a ton of preachers. But your pastor is thinking specifically of you when he preaches. David Jeremiah and Tony Evans and John MacArthur, they're thinking about their people when they preach. We exist as body, as a body of members, and we all serve one another. We're all different from one another. That's a good thing. You're not all preachers. You're not all musicians. You're not all good at writing cards to encourage people. You're not all good at preparing meals for someone when they lose somebody. You're not all good at facility management and yard work. You're not all good at you know, running around and playing games with kids. We all have different giftings and different purposes. God takes all of those differences and throws them together into the church, and that's beautiful because they they help each other where they're weak. I help you where you're weak, and you help me where I'm weak. If a human body was made up of all ears, aside from that just looking very strange, how would you scratch an itch? You know, ears don't tend to scratch an itch very well, right? If a human body was made up of all feet, how would you write something down? I know there's a few weird people that can write with their feet, but, but how would you write something down if all you had was feet? If the human body was made up of all hands, how would you walk? The, the human body is a picture of what the church is. It has all kinds of different body parts, and they each exist for the benefit of the other body parts. Think about a simple activity like scrambling an egg. How many body parts do you need to scramble an egg? Well... You need feet to walk into the kitchen. You need your hand to crack the egg open, 
turn the stove on and do the cooking. You need multiple hands because it's pretty hard to do with one hand. You need eyes to see what you're doing. You need a mouth to eat the egg when you're done. And you need a digestive system to digest it. You take any of those parts out, you're going to have trouble scrambling an egg. That's how the church works. Think about the task of sending out a missionary to China. You need a lot of things for that to happen. You need regular preaching and teaching about missions to inspire people to see the need of the world. You need someone who's willing to go. You need someone who can train them. You need um, someone who can give financially to send them. You need those who are going to support them in prayer. You need someone who's going to keep in contact with them and see what they need while they're there. Take any of those things out. They either don't go to China or they go to China very unequipped and unprepared. We're all needed. You are all needed by this church. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. That's what Paul says. I need you and you need me. A lot of pastors that I, that I know really like leadership books, business leadership books. And I like them, but you got to chew up the meat and spit out the bones with business leadership books as far as pastor, pastoring goes. Because business leadership principles don't always work in church leadership. A, a very common thought in business leadership is get rid of all the people that are weighing down progress. And so you see a lot of young pastors take that come into a church and run off all the people that disagree with their vision. And then they bring in a lot of new people, which is great, but they run off a ton of people that, dis that hold up progress. And they'll tout how they grew the church and made it healthy. But the reality is you just ran off 40% of the people, and now they're all jaded at the church. And so if they ever go to another church, they're going to give that pastor a really hard time because they no longer trust pastors because the last guy did them wrong. I have no desire to run anybody off. I need you. I need you. You and I may disagree on stuff from time to time, but I need you. You need me, and I need you. You know, someday when I get arthritis in my knuckles, I, I know that day's coming at some point, but someday when that happens, I just imagine I would rather have the arthritis than chop my hand off, right? I'd rather have a hand that I can use that gives me a little trouble than not have a hand, right? I'd rather have a church member that I occasionally butt heads with than just run them off because we need each other. When, you know, you are not less needed in this church because you're not a deacon or married to one. You're not less needed in this church because you're not a teacher. You're, you're, you're needed even if what you contribute is so insignificant. When people leave our church, even if they were a thorn in my side, I hurt from it. Because we need each other. It's like an amputation when somebody dies because we're a body. It's like an amputation when someone leaves because we're a body. Now, we learn to live without them, but it hurts to lose them. The body of Christ does not have an appendix. It doesn't have an appendix. You're needed here. Why are you needed here? What's the purpose? A few things. We pursue the spiritual growth of each other. That's our goal, to, to care for each other. We pursue not just taking care of each other. We do that. We pursue the spiritual growth of each other. We want to see each other grow deeper and deeper in Jesus. 
God has set it up that there are different members all helping the one body. And the first is growth and health that will be deeper in Jesus. That's, uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 4 in a couple weeks. Um, but Ephesians 4, um, hear what it says. We're all working to attain the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're working to grow into maturity in Christ, and we work together to make each other reach that point. Our church will be most healthy when all of our members are growing. You know, in exercise, it's very common for a guy who wants to look good to only focus on his arms, chest, and shoulders. And so what happens is he doesn't do any leg workouts. He doesn't do any core workout. So he, you know, gets really buff. You know, he's walking around like this, and he's got two toothpicks below his waist. And so basically, yeah, he could punch you in the face and clobble you, but you could basically push him over and he can't get back up because he's just too weak in his legs and core. So he's unhealthy. I mean, he may have muscles bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he's unhealthy because not all of his body is working right. We serve and love one another so that we can all grow up into maturity in Christ, and thus our entire body will be healthy. We also work for unity, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. We want unity, so that there will be no division. Unity. We want the body to all be functioning properly. It does your body no good if your heart is working well, but your pancreas isn't. We want all the members of our body to be healthy and functioning. So we are constantly watching to make sure everyone is healthy spiritually. And we finally function like a family. Look at verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That's, that's a family. When, we, when one person suffers, everybody suffers with them. When one person is honored, everybody rejoices. We pursue that deep of a family at church. A lot of people are related here, we know that, but we never want to be a church where you have to belong to one of those families to be received and belong. We're a spiritual family. We do not share a last name or DNA, we share the Holy Spirit. We have the same spirit. And we want to be such a family that we fill each other's joys and sorrows. We're that close-knit, like a body. When I have a headache, it affects the rest of my body. When I have a stomach ache, it affects the rest of my body. When I'm hungry and famished, it affects the rest of my body. The church is not a spectator sport. We don't come here to watch a show. We come to belong to a body. We suffer together. Each other's pains and sorrows affects us. We weep with those who weep, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. This is what we belong to here. So, we ask the question, what is a local church? Here's our full definition. A local church is a physical body of born-again believers who love, serve, and care for one another so that we might all grow up in maturity in Christ and be a healthy body. A church is meant to be a picture of heaven on earth. It's meant to be an embassy of heaven located geographically on the earth. It's meant to be a physical picture of the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. The fact is, Jesus left his throne and came down to place his love upon us through his death and resurrection. And as we read 1 John 3.16 earlier, that um, he 
that, that by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and now we're to lay down our lives for the brothers. In 1 John, anytime it says brothers, it's referring to the church. We're to lay down our lives for each other, as Jesus did for us. Now, those who receive his love through repentance of their sins and faith in him become part of that covenant community. And we give our lives to showing that humble servant love to each other so that we all might grow up into likeness of Jesus. So I ask you this morning, where are you at? Are you lost? Have you never received that covenant love of Jesus at the cross? Today's the day. Come to him for salvation. Repent of your sins. Turn to faith in Christ. He will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you. Are you saved but not a member of our church? Give me a call. Let's meet up this week. Let's talk. I want to hear your story. I want to confirm you're a believer. I want to lay out what is expected of you in the Bible as a member, and I want to commit to be your pastor, and then we'll get you joined here. Are you a saved member? Figure out how God has gifted you, and then strive to use those gifts to build up our body. Some of you have some ideas of things we could do as a church, ministries we could be involved in, maybe that I've never thought of and nobody else has ever thought of. Let's sit down and talk about that. Let's see if that idea could possibly work. I can't guarantee it will. Sometimes certain ministries don't work for certain churches because of the culture of the church or because of the resources of the church or whatever, but let's see if we can make that work. We, we, we may not be able to, but let's try. Let's prayerfully consider it. Make no mistake. This church is not a place for you to come and sit and observe. It's not a place for you to come and be comfortable. You're not a fan in the seats. If you're a member of this church, you are on the team and we're playing the game. So let's find out how your gifting can be used to build up the body that we may grow to be more and more like Jesus. You are needed here. You are not a spiritual appendix. Without you, we are missing something. Let's pray. Father, I praise you for your church. I praise you that you've given me the privilege to be the pastor here. Lord, I, I could have wound up at a lot of the horror stories that I hear of young guys that go into churches, and I didn't. You gave me grace in that. I could have gone to a church where um, everybody hated me and everybody wanted to see me fail, and, and that's not the case here. Lord, you've given me a very great church, and I praise you for that. And now, Lord, never, may we never forget who we are. May we walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And may that love conform each of us more and more to the image of Jesus. I pray for those here who are saved and are members of this church that they will plug in and serve. I pray for those who aren't members, maybe have been here for a long time. I pray that they would consider joining. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know Jesus, and I pray that they would repent of their sins and believe the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.